Tundra Talk is brought to you by Frontier Outfitters and Century Hardware, your locally owned source for hunting, fishing, and shooting gear in interior Alaska. They sell proven gear that will tackle whatever Alaskan tasks you need it to, and Frontier always stays current with gear for the season. Whether you're baiting bears in the spring, fishing, camping, or dip netting in the summer, you're looking for game bags and moose camp gear in the fall, uh, if you need to stock up on trapping lures or just get everything you need to go ice fishing, they've got you covered. They always carry a wide variety of Alaskan-proven clothing and boots, camping gear, meat processing supplies, guns, ammo, reloading and shooting supplies, as well as camping gear and backpacking food. Downstairs in Century Hardware, you'll find a full hardware store naturally, and uh, you'll also find your snow machine, ATV, and marine accessories down there. They go out of their way to stock plenty, plenty of quality, useful equipment. And whether you're gearing up for a hunting or fishing trip, working on a never-ending home improvement project, or anything in between, it's usually a one-stop shop. Frontier Outfitters is located on 3rd and Old Steese in Fairbanks, and they have a second location in North Pole, so make sure you stop in next time you need to gear up. This episode of Tundra Talk is also brought to you by Hedgecock Group Realtor Rick Lindsay, a guy that can take care of just about any of your real estate needs in the Fairbanks area. Now, the Hedgecock Group has been in Fairbanks North Pole real estate market since the early 80s, and their service is tailored to meet the diverse needs of home buyers in interior Alaska. Now, Rick has lived in Fairbanks for a long time and understands a lot of the less obvious ins and outs of buying and selling property around here. You know, things like water holding tanks and permafrost and all that jazz. Fairbanks is a really unique place to live, and having a realtor that knows what to look for in a quality place can make all the difference. Rick's a Marine Corps veteran and will work hard to get you exactly what you need. And if you're looking to buy or sell real estate in the Fairbanks or North Pole area, reach out to Rick at 907-378-6780. And go check out his Instagram at R-L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-113 at rlindsey113. He's really a passionate outdoorsman. He's just like us. He's one of us. And he loves to share his adventures on there. And he's got a pretty a pretty nice cranker of a ram that I'm jealous of. So go check him out. I know there's lots of you out there that dream of moving to Alaska, but it's a big step and can be kind of intimidating. Landing a solid job before you move can make things run a lot smoother, but you might not be sure of the job market or even really where to look. Now, if you're an experienced ASC certified or GM factory trained technician, I've got good news for you. Chevrolet GMC of Fairbanks is looking to hire qualified service department techs, and they've got enough work to keep you pretty much as busy as you want to be. Fairbanks Chevy has a very busy shop, but they allow for flexible scheduling. They offer top market pay rates with paid overtime, a great benefits package with 401k retirement plan with contribution matching. And, you know, for a service tech, you can really make a good solid living. They, they can offer relocation assistance to help get you up here, paid training to get you spun up, and they have a well-lit and well-maintained facility, and these are all things that I mean, help contribute to a great work atmosphere. On top of all that, they make it a priority to allow you to take your vacation time during hunting season, something that is really tough in the, in the service and construction industries here in Fairbanks and can sometimes be a deal breaker for folks like us. Good help and hard workers are always welcome in Fairbanks, and if this is the opportunity you've been waiting for, apply at FairbanksChevy.com or call their service manager, Rick Lindsay, directly at 907-215-6444. That's how you do it. 
Welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel. Um, pretty stoked today to sit down with, uh, weren't actually, I don't think I ever had your class, so you weren't technically a teacher of mine, but a te- right. I was in the building. <laughs> in the bu- in the building uh, yes. when I was in high school, Mr. Uh, Rob McIntosh. Um, yeah, I've been, been looking forward to this. It's just typical, typical of everybody's schedules up here. Yeah, included. busy, busy summers <laughs> up here. Everybody's hunting, fishing, playing, whatever, got stuff to do, trying to do it before the snow flies. So, yep. yeah. Yep. Glad and, to be uh, here, finally. Yeah. So, yeah, we've, I mean, I've known you for more than, well, this year's 20, next year's 20 years. Wow. That I've been out of high school. Yeah, so more than that. I yeah. still remember you coming into the office and talking sheep hunting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, yeah, even, you know, for a couple of years after high school and I'd bump into you, it was always fun to talk talk sheep hunting and uh, that was kind of when I was, I still feel like I'm brand new to it. And always learning something new, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, as we get older, all those skills that we had are changed just because of the gear even, you know? Oh, yeah, The things for we sure. had to do when I was hunting to what we can do now. Yeah, Which, so. that's funny. Yeah, that's, in de- yeah, here, here, Dad, that's one of the things, one of the questions I kind of had in the back of my mind um, that would be cool, cool to hear. But, uh, yeah, so we frequently, I mean, probably the last couple of times I bumped into you was at the rifle range. Yep, out of the there, gun range, yep. And uh, so this spring, not to like... I don't know. I don't want it to sound like you were having some trouble <laughs> this spring. Well, I was. Your... <laughs> I had some factory loads, and I, they were all over the place, and I was super frustrated. Mm-hmm. I'm getting to go on, up on this. I just had this 375 Ruger built. Super excited about the gun. Yeah. Had had some really good uh, luck the, the fall before shooting it. Hadn't gone out and got anything with it. And then the loads that I was shooting, they actually changed from one type to the other. Yeah, Same company. Yeah. And they were all over the place. Like I was ready to throw that gun in the gun case and not take it. So yeah, because we were. I was out yeah, out shooting. I was shooting pistols, but I brought my three seventy five Ruger. I had just uh, this spring. Um, a guy I know at Lehigh Defense had sent me. I've been using their pistol bullets for a long time, and he said, "Well, you should try these. They've had these controlled fra- or there's a couple slightly different styles, but controlled chaos bullets." that are like a machined copper solid hollow point that is designed to, and there's some other similar bullets on the market, but designed to basically f- fracture or explode, maybe not the right term, but when they enter, I mean, act like a ballistic tip basically, but have a solid shank that, that keeps penetrating. Yeah. And they've been around for a lot of years. They've had them. And finally he's, he, he hit me up with what the new stuff they had or something, but he's like, well, you want to try them in 375 Ruger? Cause, and that's kind of my go-to just haul around in the boat and walk into bear baits gun for the right, spring. Right. So shit. Yeah. And, uh, I got some two seventies and some one eighty fives and I had worked up a load for the two seventies and they shot really well, shot fast. Yeah. Which I'm finding that seems to be a characteristic of this bullet. Um, because they've got kind of a mill instead of just grooves like a barns, they've got kind of a milled down, like a reduced bearing surface area. I, I would say, I guess, on the the bullet itself where it touches the riflings. Right. But uh, so I got this load that shoots great. Not that I'm gonna need it because it's gonna be about ten feet away if I have to use it. But I'm kind of like that, and uh, I developed the load, loaded up a box of fifty, and was it took my rifle to the range to just. Zero, verify my zero on it and uh lo and behold you were having trouble and which it was like i mean i don't know mind i i know some of the guys at hornady and like they make a lot of great ammo i've had trouble with the outfitter ammo that's exactly what i was trying to and uh yeah. the 
like they've switched from a, was a, G, a GMX to a CX, which are yes. slightly different, like yep. metallurgy bullets. They're still good bullets, but something with some something in that, there that was particular some, type it, of ammunition. In that recipe, I don't know what it was, but it wasn't shooting the same through my gun. Yeah. And for me, this story is kind of is just as interesting how we got the bullets from you as getting the bear that I shot with yeah, it because yeah. it's not something you normally do. You know, you don't send someone at the range and say, Hey, I've got some of that, you know, and I loaded them up and you're like, well, I don't know if I want to put them through my gun, but you know, we talked about them being, you know, within the parameters and yeah, but to, you know, shoot through what three bullets and have them touching. Yeah. That I, made me feel a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> the I gun. Was, well, I saw you were, you know, you're using the outfitter and in like, 308 and 270 and maybe I think there's one other caliber I've tried it it just hasn't shot that particular loading has not shot well for me so and you were you were stressed out because it was like you know initially pull up ah, leaving tomorrow yep you know excited, excited. and then <laughs> not as excited not as excited you know, going for brown bear too you don't want to be you know hit and miss yeah literally, yeah and know. so I uh yeah I remember just I saw, yeah, you had brought your target back, and I was like, yeah, that's pretty bad. And, and then you were, like, at the option I could tell of, like, oh, like, going to the store and scrounge, having to, like, scramble. I'm like, well, I got a box of 50 of these, and I knew they are you know, weren't giving me – I'd shot a bunch of them, weren't giving me any pressure signs, weren't – like, they would be, I knew it would be safe. So I'm like, like, at your own risk, but you yeah. got to try a couple of these. I was like, shoot a couple, and then to foul it with that, you know – particular load and then because that does make a difference to yes. switching loads but um and then shoot a group of three and yeah they were touching yeah so at that point i felt morally obligated to give you my ammunition. yeah it's like not only do someone give you a load they give you the whole box of yeah. ammo so i'm like i tell i tell that story with the pictures of the bear i'm like okay not only did i get this nice bear but i go this is how i got the ammo and they're all like he gave you the whole box i'm like yeah well we're gonna try to get him some fireworks, but you know that's all. That's all relative. Yeah, you don't yeah. see that happen very often. No, and uh, no. And it's, once again, thanks. I appreciate. Oh it. no, yeah, no problem. I mean, I was like, yeah, morally, and, and because I don't know, I, maybe if it was someone I didn't like, right? But, <laughs> you know, I want, and I like, I know how stressful it's just super stressful when something goes haywire at the last minute when you're getting ready to leave for a big trip like that. And just, that's your most important piece of equipment. You know, yeah. everything else is great, but if your gun's not hitting where you think it's supposed to yeah. hit, that's a little unnerving. Just the, and the, just the confidence of having a load that like, you know, is shooting really well. Right. And I'll, I'll be honest too, when you said the control fracture, I'm like, I wasn't familiar with it. Yeah. hadn't seen it before. So well, I, was, I hadn't used them much in practice. Right. And so I was a little, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to use the word skeptical, but I just wasn't sure how it was going to hit because yeah. I think I'm going after this big animal. I want all that energy, you know, it's going to do what and how, you know, but I'm like, hey, it's hitting yeah. where I want. I'll, it'll be good. Well, because, you, you know, the Hornady CX bullets are, I mean, very similar to a Barnes. Like right. They exactly. Get a nice, they penetrate, they get a nice mushroom, nice right. mushroom, just really good performing bullets. So. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't do any good if they're hitting over here and here. The, yeah, yeah. The mushroom can be great, but if you have yeah, and even even if it's, <laughs> and I find like even if a lot of times it's good enough. Like considering you know like where you're you know well, the distance you shot your bear, it's like yeah, that ammo probably would have been totally fine. But just the confidence of like knowing that you can you can depend on that yeah. ammo hitting where it needs to. Well, you can't always count on that. Hopefully, it, that or over the years you become successful enough and good enough that you're going to get into that range, yeah. but it doesn't always happen. No. And the other thing is, is you don't want to not be hitting where you want when you're hitting, shooting black brown bears. Yeah. It's just, it's a bad idea. Yeah. If you know, well, it's, it's on the plate. Well, 
Yeah, you might be on yeah. the plate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's in like I mean, hunting brown bears, grizzly bears. I mean, anything, but especially like I think people kind of put in. In some ways, it's justified. Like put them on a pedestal of being like they're not hard to kill, but no. it's just very important to make a good first right. shot. You right. Know? Well, they're unlike a deer or a moose or a sheep. They're not going to run from you. They're going to run at you. Yeah. So you want to <laughs> put them down, and that's where the accuracy comes in place, and yeah. then. The effectiveness of the bullet makes a big difference too, which mm-hmm. we'll talk more about, yeah. you know, what that bullet did. And I was very impressed. Yeah. So yeah. it, uh, yeah, I just, fe- <laughs> I had no more, uh, no like option that I would feel good about rather than just give it to you. And I didn't, I didn't, I had, it was funny cause I had loaded a box of 20 and I was just, I think my stipulations was like, all right, you have to come on the podcast and tell me how, and yeah. I, I expect a report. Yes. Yeah. Shoot, that, it was shoot some stuff with it. And, yeah. uh, I'd loaded a box for a box of 20 for another buddy already. I had 10 bull. I had 10 slugs like bullets left. So uh, <laughs> I came back and I load, I was totally out. So I loaded those 10 and that's what I just carried in my, on my rifle. Right. This year, which I didn't end up needing to use. Never anyway. shooting it. Yeah. But, uh, so no, I'm very, very happy with how it worked out. Yeah. I find that there's just, especially through, you know, my job, I get, get to try a lot of different guns, a lot of different ammo. And there's just not enough critters to shoot <laughs> to, yeah, to, to, to try shoot. it out. It's like I need to be in South Africa or something, <clears throat> right? To get like a really high volume of, of shooting animals, and, see, and that's not complaining about my opportunity because I got a lot of. Yeah, up here we've got it made. I mean, comparatively yeah. to other places, we can really get out and you know shoot some critters. But yep. yeah, I mean. Super happy with the bullet. Glad that that worked out. I'm just surprised. Like <laughs> yeah. I said, I still tell it, and I'm just like, that doesn't happen, you know, <laughs> no. to get a bullet from somebody you know and have it be so accurate, you yeah. know, round after round, too. Yeah. So, yeah. No, this, so I I left you, and you hopped on a plane. and Yep. The next, uh, next morning, got on a plane, flew to Juneau, went over to uh, south out in southeast of the islands out there to where my brother-in-law lives, my nephew and I, and another guy that I know went out. And we spent... Uh, like four or five days looking for the right bear. Yeah. Passed up some, got up 50, 60 yards from a couple of real nice ones, but just didn't feel, you know, younger, nice yeah. coats, but not as big. Yeah. And uh, we actually, when I when I put this one down, there were nine bears within view. We were out <laughs> on the tidal flats there. That's awesome. And there was over here and over there and over there, there were bears. And uh, we got into this, this uh, bay and come around the corner and we saw them over here, there was two sows and this bear. Mm-hmm. And so we did a sneak and came around and they were coming right at us. Well, they went, the two sows went in the woods and this boar went in the woods after them and we didn't see him again. So we kind of came back on the point point. we were sitting there just kind of glass and there was three bears over here and a couple over here and mm-hmm. we were getting the uh, spot and scope out and kind of taking a look at them. And then it kind of out of the corner of my eye, I saw some movement and we looked to the right and here they were that one of the sows had come out and she okay. was headed across the tidal flats. And this boar was following them. And so they were on the move pretty pretty quick. And so we made the decision we're going to go for it. So we dropped all our, you know, uh, non-essentials, took our rifles and our binos and kind of went on about a 500, 600-yard six, run. Yeah. Uh, kind of circling around. There was a uh, – water had gone out, so it wasn't too deep. But uh, we couldn't get across it. So – we we ran over back up and uh, he was following her and it was off to our right and he got down to a little cut and so we got over and sat down where we thought this sow she came right across in front of us and he was 
right on our tail. He nice. Yeah, he had no idea that we were there. It's crazy how fast they can cover ground. Oh, man. Yeah, they had covered <laughs> this whole tidal area, you know, that was, and we were huffing and puffing. We had kind of had to take take a breath or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, so the guys that were with me, Andy and Casey, they, Andy was the trooper down there for years. So he okay. had shot a lot of bears, you know, in town, whatever. He had yeah. a 375 uh, H&H. H&H, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so they were in my backup and they're like, okay, you know, we sat down, got in position, said, whenever you're ready, you know. So I took a look at him, ranged him about 95, 94 yards or whatever. And I was like, okay, took a breath and uh, pulled the trigger. And man, <laughs> he, he went down like nothing. I hit him in the front right shoulder and he went down like and kind of quarter and two you there. Yeah. Well, he was yeah. going right across the straight okay, in front yeah. of me. And, uh, I was going to, I, at first I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hit him here in the lungs or whatever. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to break him down. So, uh, and I was waiting for them to do a follow up. You know, they kind of said that with the brown bears, you know, there's always a couple extra shots usually. And I'm like, so I shot him and I didn't hear another sound. And they, <laughs> he I, was on the ground. Yeah. He was down. I mean, he literally. <clears throat> fell one paw forward, one paw back, nose in the wow. in the dirt. He that's not normal. For no, it's bears. not. And that's what the guy Andy <laughs> said. He's like, "Holy cow!" You know that good shot. And I'm like, "Well, the gun, the ammo, or whatever." You know. Yeah. And uh, he went. Yeah, he went down like a sack of potatoes. Unbelievable. And so uh, we were high fiving or whatever, and got up, and uh, so we had to go back and get the dinghy from the mm-hmm. boat to get across this river. So we're we're working our way over. We find a place we can get across. We get the dinghy. Casey, my nephew, takes me across, and I go ahead and go up over to the bear. So I'm walking over to the bear, and I'm coming up on him. I'm looking at him, and he had gone back to get Andy. So all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I look, and on the same exact path over here, there's a bigger bear. Oh, of man. course, a bigger yeah. bear, you know? And he's noticeably bigger, you know? And I'm like, great, and for two reasons, you know? And he's got his nose down, too, and he's coming down. I'm thinking, he's going to come right to me. And so <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting here going from taking pictures of bears to putting another one in, you know? And he's still coming, and I'm like... I don't want to, because Andy's got a tag, so I don't want to scare him off. Yeah. And you can see him putting his nose in the air, but I'm right next to this other bear, and I know he can't smell me. Yeah. Because this thing just stinks to high heaven, yeah. you know, <laughs> terribly. And so I kind of sit there, and they come up, and I can see they're about 80 yards behind me, and this, this other bear is probably 60 yards from me, you know. Yeah. And finally, he kind of stops and stands up, and they come up and get next to me, and I'm just sitting there like, okay, here we go, <laughs> tag two or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, this bear, he kind of looks at us and he does a big circle on a dead run around to get downwind of mm-hmm. us. And he stands up and he take, you know, he's looking around and smelling and shakes his head. So I know he got a whiff of us, but he didn't take off. He kind of came down and kept looking at us. And finally he decided he wasn't going to, you know, we're yelling out yeah. and waving our arms and stuff. And he turns around and takes he off. He didn't want to shoot him, huh? Well, I mean, I did, but it's like, well, I, he did, no, he didn't want to because his daughter was going to go out with him the next oh, okay. weekend and he wanted to, just in case, yeah. you know, he wanted to, you know, have his tag too. So yeah. she hadn't gotten a bear before. And, uh, so he kind of had in the back of his mind that, but it, that was a good one. But mine ended up being a real nice one too. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, when we opened him up, he was just, I was super impressed with that bullet. Like I said, that bear went straight down and we opened him up. The core of that thing really stayed together. I mean, we found it in there, you know, and it had it taken the whole velo- impact of that rifle and, or bullet and just nailed him. But the other shards, like we'd taken some pictures and they had come off pretty uniformly yeah. and did just one in the spine, one in the heart, one in the lungs. I mean, it was just a mess inside that bear, which yeah. you want, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. No, it's, yeah, I've been in, like I was telling you, and I think I've mentioned on here before, I use the same kind of bullet in a 350 Legend for my kid shooting his black bear, and he ran about 10 yards and just fell over dead, and it was the same, I mean, the same kind of deal. Like, on mine, the base, that shank, and his, the base, the shank went all the way through, but I've recovered a couple pedals, like, on the off side of the, I think under the skin, actually, like, they completely went through the, the and ribs. And in the hide. The ribs and in the hide. And yeah. <clears throat> same thing with the moose I just shot. Like, it, uh, I mean, it's like you shot him with a ballistic tip on the entrance, and then there's, you know, like, my moose had, I'd hit him twice about, so I, he was walking, I shot him the first time, and he just stopped, and just, you know, didn't need to shoot him again, but you never freaking nope. know. You, you never know, because they, a lot of times they don't react, and in case something went haywire, I just shot, I shot him again, you know, about that far apart. But yeah, about baseball hole size, baseball sized holes through the onside lungs, and then, you know, it slowly tapers, I mean, just like a perfect wound channel that slowly tapers down, and both my, the bases of both my bullets exited, and I recovered a couple of those pedals, but there was, I counted, I think on that offside rib, there was like six different holes Six or seven different holes in the ribs on the offside where those those pedals had gone all Expanded, the way through. Yeah. Like it was pretty pretty impressive. Yeah. And the ones I recovered, it's kind of cool. You can see they uh, like just the how much pressure there must be in that di- that generates that hollow point because they're all bulged out. Right. Right. Yeah. And then they're expanding, so yeah. they're doing that much more damage yeah. when they hit. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been pretty. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, a bullet's a bullet. There's a lot of good bullets out there, but I've yep. been pretty pretty happy with how they how they've done so far um i got some different i got some some other 30 cal ones some six five ones that i want to want to mess around with like i said there's just not enough stuff to shoot (laughs) yeah well like i i somewhere in back of my head i remembered you saying that they had shot cape buffalo with yeah yeah and And i was like oh yeah that makes sense yeah because we we went up on a hunt up the up down the yukon actually this year and a buddy of mine shot one with uh 338 uh lapua Mm -hmm. and he, I don't know what happened, but he kind of lost him, and he was like, "That you know, a moose freezes, yep. and then all of a sudden it starts to do the old um, get up and go, and that means yep. that much farther to pack." Yep. And I put one in him, and he went just like the bear went straight down. Nice. And we opened that thing up, and the same thing: no heart, no liver, no lungs. I mean, same. Just like you said, that nice impact hole. That was that, that same three seventy five. Ruger. Yep, 3, yeah, yeah three seventy five Ruger with the two seventy CF and. Uh, yeah, those things just went out and just obliterated. I mean, he's like, it was just a mess. Yeah. <laughs> which, which isn't bad. You know what I mean? No, no. And like I said, he didn't take a step. He just went, <laughs> like everybody kind of turned and looked at me, and I'm like, it's not me. It's the guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I would I would, have, I would have to take some credit for, yeah. <laughs> just had to show you, you know, had to show you guys how it's done. Yeah, but, yeah. He wasn't going anywhere. Let's put no, it that way. So. I don't want to, I pack him as least as I can, and farther he went the farther we were packing him so yeah yep no well yeah no i'm glad and I'm, yeah I'm, I, I hadn't heard about till today you told he'd shot got to plug a moose with him too so that's really yeah really cool well and i was a little i mean a, a little apprehensive because you know with moose you're trying to save, save all the, the meat. meat yeah yeah but the way that w- they went in the cavity you know you're gonna have that initial damage no matter what you shoot with yeah around the entry hole but yeah. on the inside it wasn't like those things went outside the rib cage they were just just you know, went crazy in there and didn't go out. We didn't find any, well, we'll see. We took them to Delta meet. They may come back and say they found a couple somewhere here and there, but we'll see. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, well, my moose, I shot, I hit him 
through some of the muscle, like on the back of the, the back of the front leg through a little bit of the muscle, but it didn't, it didn't, da- I mean, you have some damage, but it wasn't like shooting them with a ballistic, you know, like the, like a rapid expanding lead bullet, um, kind of damage. Well, the, like you shoot stuff with a Barnes or a Hornady CX or GMX, it, it does, you have a little bit of ring of damage, but it doesn't just like destroy everything right when it goes in. So that was, that was kind of cool. I just had to make sure and make sure I wouldn't feel around for any, chase the holes for yep. any pedals before I throw it through my meat grinder. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. That'll do a little damage there for yep, sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, yeah, I have, have chipped, uh, well, I say it's my, I blame my wife. She's the one who's operating <laughs> the meat grinder one on All a caribou her. one time when, when I broke a blade, but, uh. Yeah, no, that's that's freaking awesome to hear. Um, yeah, so yeah, you was, need you need yeah you need you need the recipe. Or I think I wrote the recipe. You on did the box. actually the recipe's on the box. Yeah, so we're yeah. In fact, uh, my buddy Scott, who I told you, uh, yeah, he actually took it and made took that recipe. Went to the company because he I told him how much I liked him. Yeah, and he got some and he built that bullet up and nice. he shot a moose with it this year too. Oh, cool. Yeah. And he said the same thing. He said that thing just went straight down. It didn't take a step, you know? Nice. So we're real happy with them. I mean, I, it's, uh, it's just interesting. It's probably not something I would have went and searched out. Yeah. But now that I have it, it's like, it's in my repertoire. It's right up front. You yeah. Know what I mean? No. And I'm the, I'm <sighs> the same way, you know, it kind of took some pestering from Mike, the guy I know at Lehigh to, who does all their load development and, and, and a lot of their testing and stuff. Um, it kind of took them a little while, like I said, year, I mean, years of knowing that these things were around a little bit of prodding to get me to, sure. to really, really try them. Cause you still, you could get a bullet that, you know, works well and works well for you. Like it's hard to, when there's not a re when something's not broke, right? Why fi- yeah, exactly. <laughs> why fix it? You know? And, yep. and, and fortunate, I guess it was just a fortunate, fortunate time of desperation. Right it all worked there. out great. Yeah. I mean, it was a bad situation that turned into a good situation. In fact, uh. Even the guys I hunted with it down in Southeast, they're like, uh, what are you shooting? And what, are, you know, I mean, and these guys kill a lot of bears. They're yeah. like real interested. They're like, they like the 375 Ruger, but they, the load too, between the, yep. the two together were a bear stopper. Yep, you that. just don't see a bear go down like that. And I mean, I haven't killed a lot of brown bears or grizzlies, I've, you know, a yeah. few, but these guys have, and they've been with people that, you know, they're putting a couple into them too. Oh and, yeah. I could tell by their expression. Let's put it that way. And I was like, "Oh well, you didn't shoot." And Andy was and like, "And they were a little like, huh? What you using beforehand? As as they should be." Yeah, you know? yeah. Because I had that discussion, and we <laughs> yeah. went and put a couple in just because of the flight down. You know, you yep. want to make sure you go. We went to the range and shot, and it was dead on. But I told them the story, and they're like, "Oh." And then you know, Andy's like, "Okay, that's all right. You saved me five bucks because that's <laughs> yeah. what these loads are costing us." You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's yeah, it's expensive. You know, when you get and and they would be fine in a three seventy five. H and H too. Oh yeah. But, um, it was interesting with these, the three fifty legend bullets, which they, uh, they're they're a little bit more. They don't have the same kind of contours, but the 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 three seventy five and the three the three like the three hundred H and H like your typical hundred eighty grain bullet velocities like yeah you know, like twenty nine hundred feet per second is what it tops out at. Right. These I don't. I had. I was stay. I kind of had to. Lehigh didn't have any 300 H&H loads, so I kind of did a mishmash of something like what I figured would be a safe. Well, I used, i tell you what, I backed off even a little bit from the load that I had been using with Nosler, the Nosler copper bullets, um, the E-tips. 
and that was a pretty good shooting shooting load too in that H and H. But I knew that it would be safe with these bullets because they they seem to have let they have less bearing surface, and in the three seventy five everything else they seem to like not generate pressure like sometimes a copper bullet can. But uh, yeah, I mean they these ones are like almost thirty one hundred feet per second. Yeah, they're impressive. Yeah. I mean, it seems like you definitely get more speed for the for the pressure without right. even having to go crazy. Yeah, not overloading it. And, yeah, right, yeah. I'm not a big reloader. I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with all of it, I, but I don't have the equipment to do it. So my, like I said, my buddy, <coughs> excuse me, Scott loads a lot of stuff for me. Yeah. But uh, I'm probably going to start going that direction. I got a little more time on my hands now, you know. So yeah. I probably start reloading. And, yeah, it's fun. Um, so you're, you're fully retired. You retired from teaching for a while now, huh? Yeah. I've been retired for 12 years from teaching. I sell real estate. Uh, I want to say part-time, but when I'm here, we yeah. travel a lot and kind of get out and see a lot of things, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a good deal. We, you know, my wife's still working kind of part-time. So I work kind of part-time and just try to spend as much time as I can with the family, make memories and just, you know, live yeah, life. It's, kids spread around pretty yeah, good now. Yeah. Oldest daughter's in New York, four kids middle daughter's in Anchorage with a little boy, and then my son's here in town. So, yeah, I'm getting to that point where I'm, he's real busy, 27, you know, and I'm trying yeah. to hit him on the head and say, hey, we need to go hunting and yeah. fishing a little bit more while I still can. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting, you know, not a spring chicken anymore. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's it's been great. Um, just went out to Iliamna this year and did some rainbow fishing. I don't know if I showed you those pictures. No, but. I'm going to have to see those. I That's something like, yeah, I've when I was a kid, I was... I kind of waffled between fishing and hunting. Like I was fishing obsessed when I was a kid. Right. And fishing sucked in Colorado where I grew like it was just terrible. My, you know, we'd go fishing to some pond and catch two rainbows and my dad, I never got it because my dad would always just be disgusted, you know, <laughs> growing up here in Fairbanks. He's right. like, ah, this isn't, you know, you haven't seen good fishing and yeah, <laughs> but that's one of the things up here, you know, fishing's kind of taking a backseat, but. I would love to go do some like real rainbow fishing. Yeah. We, as a young person, I did a lot more fly fishing, built rods, you know, for my friends, the father-in-law, things like that. And did a lot of fishing with Kevin McHenry. Mm-hmm. And we did a lot of trips all over the place and then kind of got away from it. Life happens, you know, kids, sports, coaching, yep. teaching. And then this recently started to get back into it. And, uh, it's kind of funny. We, like I said, we went down to Southeast or to out by Iliamna and, you know, 30 inch rainbows. Just, I got, <laughs> just I got disgusting. some pictures. Just, you know, the funny thing is, I think back in the day though, when I was in college, uh, a friend of a friend, Kevin, one of Kevin's friends, I went down out of Nactic and we caught some 34 and 35 inch rainbows and kind of had forgotten about that. Yeah. And the reason this comes up is one, that trip. And two, I was talking to my, my nephew, Casey, who lives in Southeast. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about a buddy of his that he was like his boss or something. His name was Forrest. And I'm like, I went fishing with this guy named Forrest down at Long story short, I had gone fishing with same this guy, guy. <laughs> 25 years ago. Yeah, and he, we were into these big fish, and he tells the same story I tell Casey about these big rainbows, oh, and man. it was us together, and we didn't even know it. That's you know, funny. Yeah, so small world, I guess. It but. is. Yeah, it is a small world up here, because I think, uh, <laughs> well, uh, this spring after your trip, I can't remember how it came up, but Frankie, who I just missed a call from, I yeah. ignored, his phone, yep. <laughs> ignored his phone call. Sorry, Frankie. Uh, said, oh, yeah, I was... I was on the plane with Rob and, you know, he told me all about <laughs> coming back from your brown bear yeah, hunt this yeah. spring. And they'd just been in Kodiak. Yep. Oh, yep. They'd been in Kodiak and uh, he's responsible for me getting these, uh, I, we were sitting there, I took, he invited me and I took my kid out to shoot geese with him um, on the opener this year and uh, 
sitting out there like complaining because I got this I got this big butcher saw that was my grandpa's uh-huh. and it's a pain in the ass to clean out and I don't like we're on a holding tank and so I don't have a hose bib to run a pressure washer I'm just like lamenting like man I'd love to drag that thing outside and just spray it out he's like well Dewalt makes a cordless pressure washer. I'm like, what the fuck, man? So now <laughs> technology, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I like I just ended up with DeWalt, a lot of DeWalt tools. So yep. like that's what I have and what my batteries are, so that's what I get. And uh I through work we have some like I, we get some perks. I got some connections through work, like in one of our companies, other websites has connections with like tool like Stan's like Stanley Black and Decker owns DeWalt. So Okay. You know, they're like, Yeah, sure, we'll send you one. And, uh, so I'm waiting and waiting and this is like, we, you know, like first of September, like as soon as I found out about, I had to have one <laughs> and, uh, it, uh, we're out in moose camp and waiting and waiting and then get back with my moose and I'm like, it's going to be meat cutting time like tomorrow. Right. And I ended up, uh, I hadn't heard, like they were going to ship it and I hadn't heard. And so I sent my wife or she, I didn't send her, she was going into town. So I had her stop by AIH and buy one of these. They had one left. And so I had her buy it, and then literally the next day I get an email. Oh yeah, it's it's waiting at uh, at Linden. I guess they shipped it with a battery, which is awesome because right. batteries are expensive. That's right, and you can't shipped get it with shipped. a lithium battery. Yep. So it was at Linden, and they didn't have my number, so I went and picked it up. So now I have two. Oh wow! <laughs> but I got. I'll probably just sell the the one that's still in the box. Right. Um. But uh, it's pretty badass. It, just a little pressure washer. It's not as high as like a as a gas powered sure. one, but um, like five hundred psi, and then you can do. Uh, it runs off twenty volt Dewalt battery and has a hose that has a little sump that you just drop in a bucket or whatever. Oh, really? And so I drug the saw outside, and we just boiled up a huge pot of water, and so I'll just drop that sump in the hot water and spray it all out, um, and then yeah. wipe it down. It makes it a lot easier. Yeah, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. So yeah, technology has affected everything. I think back to all the sheep hunts that I did as a young person and yeah. <laughs> the stuff that we went through, and I'm just like, oh man, I wish I had everything that you know. Yeah. Back back then. So. Well, you're one of the guys. Like I, I say that like I still feel like I'm one of the young sheep hunters, <laughs> and in, in a way, I like to be. I'm like, uh, I don't know if it's like, I don't know. I just kind of like want to know my place. You know what I mean? I'm huh? like, I'm like. If that if that makes sense, but yeah, you're one of the guys that yeah, would you know, just listen to your sheep hunt stories, just wow. <laughs> yeah, I think that I mean I think there's a place for everyone, and you know, yeah. if you're out doing it, that's the main thing. It's just I I find it interesting because I try not to uh, I don't want to embellish my stories, yeah, because you hear about that a lot, and I also don't like jump forward to tell the stories. I kind of like to sit back and listen to every because there's a lot of people out there, and you know the people that sheep hunt, you know the people yeah. that don't by the stories they tell, yeah, because what's real and what's not like earlier you were talking about the sheep that you were getting and how you got to went around and got above it and yeah those are some of the things that you know you have to do to get sheep and it's yeah. like you hear stories of people you know shooting at 600 yards and it happens but that's not you know i think i've shot a lot of sheep and i've never shot one probably more than like 150 yards it's, yeah you get on them you know yeah, if you can yeah that's pretty good i think my that broomed one right above your head was the longest one i've ever shot was 465 and I guess if we like, and if, if we, we would, we were just below him and kind of, we couldn't get any closer. And sure. it was a matter of like just dead calm. He's laying down and I'd been shooting this rifle a bunch. So I knew sure. what I was getting into, but, uh, there's a lot of times like we, you know, it's just like, yeah, just get, just get closer. Just be patient. You know, there's a lot of times where 
a couple of years ago, you know, one, uh, yeah, it was not last year, the year before we were 600 yards from a night. I'll show you pictures after of a nice Ram that was, I mean, he wasn't, wasn't crazy big, but a nice heavy old Ram, um, spent more than a day, 600 yards from him across the Canyon, but uh, just the wind was too much yep. on perfect conditions, like everything yep. right. I might make that shot, but most of the time it's kind of like the mentality of, you know, some people can maybe, in my opinion, take it a little too far of setting up their equipment with this like perceived need to like, I have to kill this animal no matter what, like, and yeah, it might be your only opportunity and sometimes you're just not going to get, right. sometimes it's not going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, and don't take, don't take that wrong about taking a long shot. I mean, yeah. I, I, it sometimes it's necessary, but in my experience, we haven't had to do that, you know, yeah. and not, we've missed sheep. You know, I think the first sheep I ever went on, I, we miss, I missed my first sheep, you know, it was an uphill yeah. shot and it hit right where I was aiming, you know, yeah. it's that learning curve thing, yeah. you know, but I learned a great trick there. So it wasn't a terrible thing. I remember my father-in-law taking me out. I think it was 17, it never hunted much at all, you know, in Oregon for deer or whatever, yeah. not sheep. And we had flown up out of Glen Allen where I was with the high school and, uh, in his cub and did the 10 mile hike in or whatever. And, uh, we were sneaking up on this Ram, but it was like you said, laying up there. Well, he had a great trick, you know, there's kind of a little knob in front of us. Mm -hmm. So we walked in, like in unison, unison up towards it. And when we went under that little hill, I took off up the hill running and and he he walked back out where I could see him. And that thing, that sheep didn't move an inch. See, we've had that s- similar stuff. It's like the whole, well, it's like old Jack O'Connor, sheep can't count. Right. You know, yep. story where like, well, buddy that we, this is my buddy Steve's brother. It was, they were after a ram and they, uh, um, left his, I think he left his backpack. No, it was Steve. I can't remember who it was exactly, but one of, one of our buddies had it, were under a ram busted, like pinned kind of i can't remember how he did it but he ended up leaving his backpack right there in the wide Real open visible for, yeah for like sheep to fixate on that because you, you know everybody's done it a bunch is like yeah, if they once they see you they might be like totally relaxed above you paying attention but if you disappear and you don't come out then they get, they get nervous, nervous. <laughs> yeah yeah they get real nervous yeah no, I just I just think back on some of the hunts. So living in Glen Island, going to high school, I was able to hunt in the park. Yeah. So we were able to go up, you know, past uh, Hubert's and into Ram Glacier and those places and talk about some huge sheep. But that's an expedition. That's like two weeks, you know, yeah. <laughs> in by riverboat, put your raft up a tree, yep. hike 10, 12 miles back, and then you spend, you know, 10 days hunting and then back down, put the raft down, float up, and then float out for two days. Yeah. And, you know, there's always mishaps and things that happen. Oh, but... there's a lot of moving parts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, anyone, I mean, and that's a lot of hunting up here. Anyone new to it is quickly going to find that whether it's, uh, you know. Well, no matter how prepared you are, too, you know, there's always something that you're not prepared for. I mean, I can tell you. One time we got on some rams and uh, the fog rolled in and like today, you know, it would be a big deal. But back then I spent the night in trash compactor bags Yeah, with my sleeping bag. You know, I pulled one over the bottom, cut the bottom out of another and pulled yeah. that over, cut a T in it, pulled <laughs> yeah. that over the top. And it was just pouring down rain all oh, night long. Man. And my buddy oh. was just next to me sleeping in a bivy sack. And I'm like, yeah, I'll have a bivy sack I'll next have a time. bivy sack. Yeah. Well, so that was, uh, yeah, definitely a while back. Yeah. Some of the... <laughs> definitely a while back we and it's i mean i think about even from when i 
I started sheep hunting in 2004, so t- basically I've gone 20, 20 years. And, uh, man, a lot of the stuff I brought, like, it was the first few years, like, it was a learning curve. And I, I'm not even one of the guys that's like, oh, my pack weighs 30 pounds, you know, and I'm just like, there's stuff I need and there's stuff I want for yep. my own comfort yep. that's worth bringing. And, uh, but there's, oh, it's just so much more comfortable. Like, even sleeping on just an air pad. Yes, I, I could tell you, I can remember the, that hunt. I told you I got that first ram of mine. I think it was 38, uh, 39, something like that. And uh, going in, I can just remember having all this food, you know, like yogurt covered raisins, blah, blah, <laughs> yeah. blah. And it was like, eat it, throw it, eat it. I had way too much food <laughs> yeah. in that hike. I was up in our, up the, up a glacier down yeah. there, you know, and uh yeah, just the things you learn from hunting the side of the moraine to going up the middle of the moraine and having crampons and having ropes, you know, and yeah. things that you got to have, and you know, getting high and staying high. Don't don't come down. We'll see, and that's and that's another thing. I one thing I remember you talking about from the play. You know, a lot of the sheep hunting you did. It seems to vary depending on where you're at. Like it's always the the balance of do we get high or do we stay in the bottom. There's some country where it's like. Yeah, you're like you're better off when you can get back and 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 see stuff. Yeah, no sense in climbing when you don't have to. But there's country that, and it's always about like there's always going to be something you can't see. Right. So that was always in some like some real rough country. I mean, you probably got some stories of like like, and also balancing. What it makes me think of is, you know, how long is it going to take me to traverse like on top of a this nasty ridge line versus it's all like part of the mental game. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, a, I mean, it was the learning curve. Cause I mean, I remember first starting out with frame packs and like after a couple rock climbs, you know, and like that pack trying to reach up over that rock and that pack frame hitting and thinking I'm going to fall 30 feet here, Yeah, you know, because I can't get over. So we went to soft packs, you know, yeah. and then I can still remember I bought, I was 18 and I got this. I still have it. One of my favorite rifles. It's a Browning Alaska Special 338. Yeah. And it was a mistake to take it on a sheep hunt. <laughs> you know, I thought I could load it down. But anyway, I'd taken good care of this gun or whatever. And I'm I'm walking out on this ridge line and there's these chutes on each side of me. And I take a bad step and I'm literally sliding on my stomach down this thing. And here's this pristine gun that I have. <laughs> and I'm jamming it into the yep. side of the hill. And it's it literally is what caught a me. A fall like, resting device. Yeah, and it was jammed in here and in here. And all I can hear behind me is... these rocks hitting the ground and I don't know how far they fell and it's me climbing up stepping all over my gun my scope whatever trying to get to the edge and then reaching back and pulling the barrel out of the dirty side of the (laughs) mountain and not caring like me sweating and getting it over my back and getting back up on the hill you know climbing and I'm just like oh man fortunately you know we took a gun cleaning kit and but I missed a nice ram with that gun after that too, oh, though. It man. was a bummer, but that gun saved my life because I would have been, you know, toast. <clears throat> yeah, I used a uh, a Browning 300 Wind Mag as a fall arresting device on yeah. Kodiak the last time I was down there hunting goats. It was, I mean, it wasn't, yeah, like not to embellish it, it wasn't that crazy, but we, I'd killed this goat and she landed suspended over a cut in an alder and it took us, she was like, died. Less than 200 yards from us took us an hour and a half to get to her. Right. 
And then fortunately there, you know, we were, there was two of us, we were in, it was a nanny, it wasn't a huge Billy because we'd had to just drop him loose and see where he ended up. But, right. uh, we were able to manhandle her and swing her over to a little, like a little bigger than this, than my desk, a little pinnacle flat spot, cut her up and then it's getting dark and it's like, what? Well, there's not a good route. You just got to point downhill and go and hope for the best. Right. But it was through a, a real thick, like that wicker Yep. brush they got berry brush down there and there was a couple times i i didn't take any big spills but i start going and <laughs> just jam that rifle in the brush <laughs> yeah it it's it's value changes as your life becomes a little yep, bit exactly yeah i i it's funny sitting here talking about this because i can it just brings back these memories i can remember vividly my gun, hunting partner gary uh we hunted for years together sheep and he had shot this ram um up between these two uh, glaciers up on this high spot and it kind of fallen off this pinnacle, but it went into a spot that was really, really steep. And I still remember, cause this was when we still hunted like in Danners yeah. before we got like the co-flatch boots, you know, yeah. <laughs> and we had taken the shoestrings out of that thing, tied them together and he'd made a lasso cause you couldn't go out to get it. It was like just at, far oh. enough out. And he was trying to get that around the horn so we could get it close enough so we could grab a horn and, and get that up. thing close oh. enough so that we, we, I mean, this was guts in and everything. It's like, yeah. And we finally got it, but just that I didn't take a picture, but that 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 picture in my head just came back, and I was like, "Oh, oh man, I remember that." <laughs> which which takes me to another story. I mean, how long we got here? As long as you want, man. So so we're hunting back in the same area, and uh, I might have told you the story, but we're we're back. We're about we're down on the moraine. We decide we're, we know there's some sheep on the other side, so we're gonna. There's a cut that goes up to the left and wraps around up to about seven thousand feet, and we're. Which is high. Is high, yeah. <laughs> and so we think, well, we're going to head up there. Let's start wa- working our way up around this creek and getting up there. So we're headed up this, and we figure we're going to take the day to get up there. We know there's water up there, so we're going to get up there and spend the night, and then we'll go for sheep the next day. And we're working our way up there, and all of a sudden we see landing gear on a plane. And we're like, what the hell? We're like, this is not good. You know? Yeah. It's not good at all. And so like from an airplane. From an airplane. Landing gear like landing gear. And we don't know what but it's a small plane. We don't know what it is. So we work up our way around the corner a little farther and there's a motor. There's an engine there. And we're like, oh shit, you know, what's going on? And so we finally work our way all the way up to the top and this little when you get up there, you know, there's these little dips and there's a bunch of water in there and we think this is a good place. And <clears throat> we set up our camp, and we start looking around, and there's a big shell slide above us to the so we're sitting here, it's up above us over here. Mm-hmm. So we start going and kind of weaving through it. And of course, I reach down. Here's a bud. Click. Oh, There's two beers. So we find two <laughs> beers, right? We're drinking and we're laughing because that's the last thing we're going to have in our packs up yeah. there, you know, because we're 16 miles back or whatever, yeah. up, you know, up high. We're not packing that around. And then we start going a little bit more and we start finding plane parts. Mm. And so I find a checklist and, uh, and then an arm bone. And we're Ooh. like, "Ooh, this is not good," you know. So I take this, and at the time, I was I had just started teaching or whatever, and so we get back after we get a couple sheep. We, you know, we go out and we take this uh, checklist from this plane, and this is like way before like people wondering. There's no no sat phone, no. Oh no, yeah. There's no sat phone. Yeah. yeah, it's like you don't have it reach. There's yeah. nothing. We're like we're in the middle of nowhere until the guy comes and gets us. Yeah. You know, down on the strip down below us where we came in at. And so we get out anyway. So Gary, my hunting partner, goes to the troopers and says, "Hey, we found this checklist. You know, just just giving you a heads up." And so they do a little research. So the story comes back about a month later. He goes in with him with a ranger, and they start doing some searching 
Uh, with the arm bone, they found a wedding ring, a bunch of other parts from the plane, something enough to figure out what a plane it was. Yeah. So <clears throat> story is six years earlier, this guy had flown into uh, one of the strips down below, flown up to this other strip that was down where we had come in at and uh, dropped off his girlfriend. He had gone back to get this other guy. They had flown up. They never saw him again. They oh. There was a big Coast Guard, you know. Uh, whatever you, uh, search, they had a big yeah, search. search and rescue. Yeah, yeah, search and rescue. Look, you know, see fit one whatever. Looking for him for like quite a while for several weeks. Not no, nothing. So anyway, <coughs> excuse me. Come to find out, we get the full story. Um, so this guy and his buddy were both biologists down in Seward, somewhere on the peninsula. The girlfriend, come to find out, was pregnant and she didn't know it. Oh man! And so. For the next year, we get start getting letters from people, you know, saying, "Hey, thank you so much for turning us in." You know, we got closure now. You know, I was pregnant. She was stuck there for a week at this oh, airstrip man. until someone flew in to, you know, because it's just pretty remote and yeah. no one really hunted up there. Well, and, and that's in the day where it's, <clears throat> which you take for granted the in how nice the inreach stuff is, and people start panicking oh. the instant it's not working. Back in the day, it's like, all right, this is my plan. If you don't hear from me for an extra week, right. Maybe call somebody. <laughs> yeah, something's up. Here's yeah. where we're going to be. Here's where we're starting from. And uh, yeah, so I mean, even years later, and I still, I can still remember telling the story to somebody and they're looking at me like, yeah. And I'm like, hey, it was in the Anchorage paper, <clears throat> excuse me, whatever year it was. And they go, oh, yeah. And I saw that same person, you know, probably eight months later. And they're yeah. like, hey, I saw that story in the paper. <laughs> and I'm like, I know. I just yeah. thought, you know, it was there. It was, you know, true story. So, and then later on, there was a guy that flies down out of the area called Paul Klaus. And he yep. had, done, had done a bunch of flying out in Bristol Bay, I guess, spotting fish. But this guy is just a, a phenomenal pilot. And uh, the first time I met him, we were on our one of our trips up the river. up the, And he comes in next to us in this club, comes right next to us in the water, puts his wheels in the water. As we're going up in the jet boat, his plane is in the water. His wheels are spinning, throwing water in the air. And we're like, like, oh, this guy's a nut job. But he's yeah. just a great pilot. Well, anyway, he had taken this lady up, <clears throat> excuse me, to that spot within probably 300 yards. There's this little knoll. He puts her in right there so she can go and see the spot. And talking to her, she's like, yeah, we took off. And it was like, oh. And boom, it was just, yeah. I mean, that story just kind of, kind of kept growing. But Man. it was really, you just realize how, you know, you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And things like that happen and you just, you're gone. No one, you know. Yep. If there's no black box, they can't find you in those places that just disappear. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, yeah, there's a lot of plane wrecks scattered all over the place. And frankly, like there's a lot of stories like you talk about embellishment, you know, like, yeah, so like some stories get embellished, but there's. Like, well, one particular guy I know that I think of, you know, I've heard people like hear some of his stories and then talk to guys that have known him for decades and like, nah, every, the, the thing, you know, every, they're all true. It's like, not only are they true, but you're probably only hearing about half right. or yeah. a small percentage of some of the stuff, you know, that guy's done. Um, yeah, I still think about, I, I remember my first time up there, you know, and we, we hunted in Paris. There'd be like two of us and two of us mm -hmm. and then we'd go our separate ways and bid, you know, uh, spike out or whatever. And then we decide, Oh, Gary's like, well, let's split up for a couple of days. And I can still remember my first night staying out in the middle of nowhere by myself. And I, 
done some hunting quite a bit, but it was a weird feeling. And the yeah. first thought that came to me was like, what would someone that was from the inner city that's used to seeing people all the time, what would they do in this situation? Because I was a little unnerved, you know? Yeah. And so I that still sticks in my head. That was, what, 40 years ago. Man, yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> It's weird. Like I've I've killed a few, I've gone cheese. See, so that ra- that that ram I got the first it was my first solo hunt got dropped off, and uh, kind of in in that direction. Yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> up in the hills. And uh, I mean, I did fine. It was it was good. But yeah, that's like everybody's a little different. Different people handle being alone and yep. it's easy to psych even just even when you're hunting with a partner it's easy to sight and which is why a, a good sheep hunting partner is is gold gold because you get a bad like a less than good sheep hunting partner yes and it's just it, you know it, it's just as easy as it is for like a good hunting partner to keep you motivated when because everybody has times when they're like doubting and be like yep. this sucks yeah you know just as easy as that as it's easy for like a, a less than stellar hunting partner to convince you that it's all over and you it's just not need to go it. home. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I, I can remember those days too. We do the, Gary and I hunted together, I don't even know, for 15 years at least. And so we did a lot of hunting together. And then my brother-in-law, who's a, a great sheep hunter, like I'm going to, I have a video on my phone. I'll show you after some of the sheep he's gotten. He's just, but he'd always hunt with these guys, and it's just like he was like we call him the social worker of sheep hunting, and he would bring <laughs> these guys out. That's a and, good one. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like, where did you find this guy? You know, and and for me, I mean, I might be totally off base, like, but it was probably my younger years. But I realized there was no way for me really to get in sheep sheep shape, you know, real sheep. Yeah. Shape. I mean, I could work at it. It was to me, it was always the mental aspect, like me being able to just put my head down and go, and then that day three rest my body because yep. you know it. That's when I'm going to be sore. And it's not the same for everybody, but he would bring guys from the army and from this and no, no, you know, nothing on that. But they would be like, yeah, I've been doing this and this and this, and I'm ready for it. You know, we're like, awesome. That's good. And we get, you know, eight miles in a cut and brush and beating alders and this fucking sucks. Like, yeah. I'm out of here, man. And we're yeah. like, where are you going to go? You know, yeah. you got, just fucking put your head down yeah. and go. You can't do nothing about it. Go. Yeah. You know? That's, and that's what I... Because they're, I mean, they're all out of high school when I was in college and had all kind of time, you know, nothing to do but work out. Basically, I uh, and I was, you know, I was <laughs> was always into that. I went through, I went through a, a running phase too at one point. But yeah, I was in, re, you know, at times I was in really good shape, and like I'm not in near nearly as good a shape anymore. But I do, like I, I try walking a lot yeah. in the summer, but it always is hard. Like it, it seemed like no matter how much you prepare, there's yeah. all, like you said, the mental challenge of just like plowing through, and that's as big as anything. And just tell the way I think about it is, is uh, I'll think about it later. You know, if you start, you're at the beginning of a sheep hunt, and you're like, oh man, and, and you knew like all the bullshit you were in for. <laughs> yeah, you know, you it, it's scary. It's you don't want to do it, but when you uh, when you just take it one little section at a time, one bite at a time. Yep. Well, I always would think to myself, well, this probably isn't the worst. So just yeah. <laughs> yeah. better enjoy this part of it. Even though it was terrible, you're beat. Yeah. I, I remember sleeping on hills like this, you know, because it, it started raining and it's pitch dark out. Yeah. And we set our tent up in that. We woke up at the bottom of our tent in water, oh, you man. know, yeah. and it's just like you think, okay, that was got to be the worst, you know. And then two days later, I'm sleeping in trash compactor bags. <laughs> We're pouring yeah. down rain, you know. So it's like. It's it can get worse, so it's just like put your head down and go. And my my hunting partner Gary was never really too uh, 
he was like, ah, shut up. Don't be a pussy. Let's yeah. go. You know, and so I just would go. But I mean, I think we had cheap hunts where we took guns away from people. It's like they just had taken, it was too much of a toll on them mentally. Yeah. And they were saying stuff that we weren't comfortable with. And we're like, they not he and I, but the guy, the, yeah. my brother-in-law, we're like, you know, we're going to take your gun until we get out of here. And the ironic thing was, is that this guy shot the biggest sheep of the group. <laughs> yeah, we're on our like, way out. We hell? have three sheep. We're all doing our, our full sheep, our cape and our horns. He's not packing any of it. And we get out and we're uh, three quarters of a mile from where we're going to pull the rafts out of the tree. Yep. And this old Ram's out coming down the hill. He's down in the alders. <laughs> you could tell he was on his last leg. <laughs> yeah. He goes and shoots him and he's like 39 with, you know, 16 and an eighth bases. This huge, like it looked like a stone sheep. And we just, it's like, what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? You just, good job, help him and, you know, get out and don't ever do it again. Yep. So, but yep. you learn a lot about your character and other people's character and you just, you know, you make decisions that on, on the fly and, but it, I wouldn't change it. No. I mean, what you said, like I'm 58, so I've been, I'm old, you know, and it's like, I think back to my young years where I just put my head down and go and now I mean, I would need that more than anything you know i'm not in terrible shape but yeah to haul a whole sheep on my back now by myself i don't know it's like oh well it's even now for me because i can still <laughs> i said i've done it too many times it uh i think that sheep was the last one and it wasn't a, it wasn't a real long pack out but yeah whole you know whole sheep and camp pocket let's just go you know yeah and then uh but uh, I try to, like, be hard on myself anymore of, like, just do two trips. Like, it's so much easier on your body. And yeah. Yeah, it's longer, but it's, unless you really need to, you know, it's always it was kind of an internal fight. But I think I think my knees will last longer. You got bion- one bionic knee now? New knee. Nice. The funny thing is, is when I did it, I went in and uh, I have a pacer. So yeah. that's another story. But uh so I went in and they were like, I can't have an MRI because of the pacer. Yeah. So he's like, uh, he takes x-rays on my knees and he goes, so uh, which one's the bad one? And I'm like, what? And he goes, both your knees, he goes, are worse than a lot of people that I redo their <laughs> yeah. knees. And I'm like, really? He goes, I don't know what you did when you were young because your knees are trash. And I said, well, my left knee kills me. So let's fix that one. So yeah. I'm due for another knee on this side. But uh, talk about life changing. I could barely walk. Six months later, we were doing five-mile hikes. So, That's cool. Yeah. So technology has affected that, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah the the ability to replace worn-out joints. Yeah, yeah. It's it's terrible. It's like worse than – I've had some instances in my life, and that was probably right up there to the top, you know? Oh, man. Well, yeah. and you probably just don't – because it gradually gets worse and worse. You probably don't have <clears> a – well, that's like what you hear anyway. I hear people describe like new hip or new knee, like the shock of like, holy shit, I don't – Everything doesn't hurt anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's the, yeah. It's immediate too. You're like, wow, it hurt to do it, but you know, to be free to do things again without that terrible knife knife pain is just amazing. Well, did <clears throat> they? Did they? Was it the same way? I've heard with with hips, especially, but knees. Are they like, all right, you have to take it easy. Like, you're gonna want to just go. <laughs> well, you spend ten days. You spend ten days on your back. Yeah, you're, you're not like. It's not it like walk out of there like a Oh, hip. no, okay. no. They, I mean, they cut the bones off Jeez. and they take a piece of titanium and they're like nailing it in Man. with a hammer. Yeah. I mean, it's ugly. Yeah. Like, like I saw a video of it being done after the fact and, and I'm like, like, I oh. should have never watched that. It was like, I've seen terrible shit and that's way worse. Like they did that to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was bad. It was really bad. So it's like, now I'm like, it's not, it doesn't hurt that, <laughs> it doesn't bad. Hurt that bad. It's not so bad. I could take it, you know. Well, which is funny. <clears throat> that remind, yeah, seeing that reminds me of. Totally unrelated, but 
kind of just weird dream. I, you know, you have a dream and sometimes like at some point during the day, something reminds you and you're like, holy shit, that was messed up. Yeah. <laughs> so I had this dream that for, uh, it was like this within the last couple of days, I had this dream that I thought, I don't even remember all the details. It makes sense in the dream. Not when you start thinking about it, but right. like I was convinced that I like had a bad heart. I like, not like <laughs> that. I went to the doctor and they're like, you need a heart transplant. So I went and I got. I spent, t- I dropped 10,000 bucks to buy a transplant heart at Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'd go. <laughs> you know that. Well, you know, and it came in this jar and then, <laughs> and I brought I it home. You use your Alaska Airline <laughs> yeah. Miles card. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, so I get back home and I, uh, like, I don't know what I ate that night, but holy shit. I, uh. And I'm like, take this thing out of the jar to fucking with it. I'm like, wow, you know, let's put it back. So I like broke the seal, whatever. And then, uh, and then I start thinking about like, man, they're going to have to like literally cut my heart out and put that. Cause I hadn't like scheduled, I had to like schedule whatever fucked up way my dream was working. Right. I had a scheduled operation or something. Bring it in yourself. And then I start thinking about what the, it's like, yeah, maybe my heart's okay after, after all. <laughs> and then I'm like, shit, I opened this thing up. They're not going to, I'm not going to let me return it. Right. <laughs> it was like, in, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like in that movie Rat Race or whatever where they, the, the, is it, um, the Newman guy from Seinfeld is like transporting a heart or something. And they like, they're like, you want to look at it. And it gets like dropped in the dirt. And shit. <laughs> anyway, like right. that just, uh, I don't know. That just reminded me yeah, of that dream. Like thinking like, man, they're going to have to cut my heart out and put this one in me. Yeah. I think I might be okay. <laughs> well, that, that reminds me of, uh, so at uh, sophomore in high school, uh, sitting in class, wake up on the floor. I don't know what it is. I think all, all my teachers thought I was on drugs. I'm yeah. not sure what it was. And so like, this happens to me a couple times a year. Uh, and I'm a college athlete, play baseball, play basketball in college, uh, and good shape. I'm a PE teacher, yeah. healthy, you know, uh, up until I'm 30. So I'm 30 years old. I'm here in Fairbanks. And uh, all this time, they don't know what it is. You know, I do all these tests, and they're like, oh, it's your kidneys. Oh, it's this, it's that. But never a definitive answer, you know. Still, I mean, I'm sitting at Tickasick Brown when I'm a teacher yeah. giving blood. I'm out on the ground, you know, and they're going, well, it's because you saw a needle. And I'm like, God, I've seen a lot yeah. of shit, you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's a needle. But anyway, I, you know, I don't think you think of it. So <clears throat> I go into the, the doctor here, Dr. Stark, and uh, he's like, he puts me on the treadmill for 30 minutes at nine. Like, he goes, he goes, people don't do this, you know. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. So uh, I'm done with that, and they I'm on a, a monitor or whatever. They take me in a room, and there's a nurse talking to me. She leaves or whatever. And all of a sudden, I'm like, it's dark, and I hear like a bunch of voices. I hear someone crying. I hear, oh, he's not going to need it. He's coming out of it on his own. You know, and I'm like, yeah. you know, it's like a dream. I don't know what the hell's going on. There's a doctor standing over. He's got this like eight-inch needle. <laughs> I'm serious. He's standing there. He's got it in his hand. He's like, we're not going to need it, you know. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on here, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I was by myself in this room, and now there's like nine doctors. The nurse is crying, and I'm like, what? what? And so Dr. Stark, you know, I hear him calling him over the thing, and he comes in. And he goes, yep. You know, the guy's so, like, mellow, monotone. He's like, yep, that's what happened. <laughs> 29 seconds of flatline. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, if you weren't in good shape and uh, healthy, you may not have come out of this. You know? And I'm like, oh, oh this is man. not good. And he's like, uh, well, we think you need a pacemaker to make sure this doesn't happen. I'm like, cool. And he's like, well, there's a guy, another doctor in town. I think he's done a couple of them. And I'm thinking to myself, that's like going to the guy at the gas station. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I put a battery in before you. And I'm like, no, I think I'm going to go outside. So. 
they they do some more tests. They put me on a, what they call a tilt table. Yeah. And they put me on it, and they took me up to 80 degrees. 20 Damn. seconds later, heart stops. Huh. You know, one time my wife's in the room, and she's like, I'm on the monitor, and she's like, flat line. Oh. And he turns to her and goes, uh, yeah, this is what happens. And she's like, <laughs> she's crying. And yeah. she's like, what the hell, you know? And yeah. so he goes, I'll put it back down. And then I, I like it, I big sick for like a day. It's like having a, you know, epileptic oh, fit, yeah. but it's just, you know, no blood to the brain and whatever. So I fly outside and I go to Virginia Mason and, uh, there's a, there's a point to this whole story anyway. So, uh, get down there. I'm in line. This guy that does my pacer, he does like eight of them that day. And he comes to me, hey, what's, what are you doing in here? And I'm like, uh, well, you know, I need a pacer or whatever. And he's like, oh, my resting heart rate was 19. That's slow. That's, I know. It's like, <laughs> bump, do, 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 bump, oh, you know? Yeah. So I go in and he says to me, he goes, so you got to tell me some good fishing spots and, you know, tell me your secret spots. Yeah. And I'm like, hell no. And he goes, yeah, you will. He goes, when you're out under the medication, <laughs> we'll know all your spots. And I'm like, you sons of bitch, you know? So, oh, that's funny. Yeah. So I go in, I get the pacer, uh, got, they got staples that, you know, holding it in or whatever. And, uh, come back to Alaska. That's the year we got drawn for toke. Oh. Partner hunt. So this is May 20th, May 9th. It's my son's first birthday. And so uh, this year I go in. We go in. I ha- I just get all the, the staples out. Mm-hmm. We fly in. Gary and I fly in. We go in there. We're in there to plan trip for a week. So we go in first day, hike up the five miles to where we're going to do a base camp. And uh, no, this is no embellishment. We get up there. We go up the hill. It snows three inches on us. Like we can't see. It's snowing so hard. We can't see anything. So probably we, in August. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we go back down the hill. We're like, we'll try it again tomorrow because we still have a day before the season opens. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we go up the hill the next day. We're looking down over the other side. There's some sheep laying on these little knobs, but we're above them. They're not what we're looking for or whatever. Like you talked about before, we look way over across the valley over here, and there's this. Uh, we see these sheep, and there's this one, and we're like. That's the That's one. That's the one, right? <laughs> so we go down the next day, the creek there, early in the morning. We get up right at, you know, right when it's getting light. We cross the creek or whatever. We go up over the same thing. We sneak around, get up, get up on top of them. We're looking at them, and it's definitely this one, you know. And so we flip a film cap to oh. see who gets to shoot it because we both, you know. Yeah. And I get it. So I'm like, yeah. So I get this one. He's going to shoot this one. So we shoot him. Mine runs a little way, so I shoot him again. He drops. So we're a little ways apart. We're taking care of them, whatever. Get them in our pack. So we both have horns, cape, uh, all the meat and everything. And mm-hmm. we're walking. And we get down in some alders. And it's like, you know, we get separated. And we're probably 100 yards apart. I take my pack off. I get up on a high spot. And I'm hollering for him, you know. And he's like, I'm over here, you know. And Gary's probably 10 years older than me. So he's a little grumpy. I call yeah. him a grumpy sheep hunter. And uh, I get down to him. I go, God damn, dude, don't do that. You know, we can't get separated, you know. And he's like, don't be such a damn pussy. And yeah. I'm like, all right. And he takes like five steps, compound fracture his ankle. Oh. He's got, so we're wearing co-flatch and yeah. right above the boot. Oh, ouch. S- snap. Oh. Yeah. So two sheep, all our crap. So we t- I You're help in him. a different drainage, it sounds We're like. on the other side yeah. of this drainage. So... It's probably, I would say, a mile, three quarters of a mile back to where we're camped, right? So I'm helping him, you know, all I can to get down there. We get down there, 
<clears throat> and his ankle's like just oh. wobbling. Just and I know he's super tough. He's like he's he's hanging in there or whatever. But we get back and it's afternoon. It's been hot all day. That creek is screaming. Yeah, just screaming. I'm like, there's no way he's going to get across this creek. I, I'm not going to cross the creek. So uh, I go back up, get one sheep pack bring it back, go up and get the other one, bring it back. And then we take his uh, space blanket or whatever and his walking stick Mm -hmm. and we take, there's these big boulders and we put rocks on it and we put that in the middle and he's laying under there, you know, in his rain gear and all, all that. So his wife's a statewide nurse. So he's got some Percocet, some other stuff in his bag in the tent. Well, about two in the morning, I look over at him and he's just shivering. You know, I'm like, this is bullshit. There's no way, you know? So I'm like, screw it. I just, I take all my clothes off, take my trash compactor bag, put it over my backpack, jump in, swim across, get over the freeze in my ass. Yeah. Get our dry bags, our dry, our bivy sacks, sleeping bags, dry clothes for him, his meds or whatever. Yeah. Plunge back in, swim back over, <laughs> freeze in my ass again, get dry clothes on or whatever, get him in dry clothes, get him in, in a bag or whatever. Get him warmed up. So it's still snow and rain. And it's rain and snow. And there's like, it snows about three quarters of an inch on us or whatever that melts off. And uh, so the next day we, I got that whole pack bound to the airstrip. Right. So I'm like, we got to get you out of here, but we got to get everything out. So one trip camp, one trip sheep, one trip sheep. So on the last trip, I'm like, okay, I'm not crossing that Creek again. You know, it's, it's going to be brutal. So I'm going to cross over down low here where it fingers out. So mm-hmm. it's shallow. Yeah. So I got the, those feather light waders. Are you yep. f- like, they're really, they're just. The ones you just pull over your boots. Yeah. Or, well, you just put, you put them on, you put your. Like, glacier your, socks. Type yeah. Glacier socks. Yeah. yeah they, you slap them here or whatever yeah. on your belt. Yeah. And uh, so I'm like, I'm crossing, crossing. I get to one and I'm feeling, feeling. And it feels, take another step. I'm in the water. Oh, I'm geez. in the water swimming. And it's like those things fill up with water yeah. and I, it's glacial and I can't get out. Like I'm make one dab for the shore. I can't get out. Finally, I just go in unstep them, turn them inside out, cr- finally get up and get out of the bank. I'm so cold. I feel like I can hardly get out of the water. So I go take them off, just carry my boots, carrying those. I'm walking barefoot because my camp's only, you know, 400 yards away. Get up in there. Get all my clothes off. I'm in my underwear. Tidy whitey's back in the day, yeah. right? <laughs> and so I'm in my bag and I hear a plane. So I jump out, shoot off a flare, and the guy lands. It's the guy that flew us in there. He's like, What are you doing trying to shoot me down? I'm like, Here's the situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. So fortunately, down the river, there were as a Canadian company doing core samples for gold, and they had a helicopter. Oh. So we called into the, the the troopers in the forest cir- circus and said, "Hey, you know, here's the situation." They said, "Well, as long as nothing comes out with them, just him." Yeah. So they come up in the helicopter, pick me up. We fly up there to find Gary because I kind of remember, you know, I could show up. And he's out with a stick walking around because he's like, <laughs> what took you so long? You know, I, th- I thought I was going to have to walk out of here. And I oh, try man. to tell him what's happening. And he's like, you know, he's grumpy with sheep on or whatever. Yeah. So he's got a little Percocet. So he's feeling okay, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we get out and we never even measured our sheep. So we're sitting there where at the, where we got the guy, the where we got flown in from. And we're looking at these sheep, and we're like, oh, these are some pretty decent sheep, you know, because it was getting dark, and we were trying to get out yeah. of there. So 43, 40, and <laughs> real really nice, nice sheep. sheep. And Gary drives back to Anchorage in his truck, with drives back. Like, I'm trying to take him to the emergency room and talk, ah, I'll be okay. Yeah. You know, and he comes in his truck and drives back to Anchorage. <laughs> Ends up, he's got two pieces of metal and five screws at each side. Oh, man. It was nasty. That's rugged. Yeah, yeah. 
But he's like tough. I'm like, okay, uh, whatever. It's like those football, you know, sports videos of uh, yeah. you just can't stand to watch people's legs break. And you can't whole. say, I told you so. Like, I'm telling him, don't get separated. And he's like, don't be such. Literally, yeah. he turns around, turns <laughs> and steps on this little wet pebble and snapple. You know, and I'm like, oh, oh it was brutal. Yeah. Man, that's that's. And that's right at the same year you got your Yeah, your like I couldn't even – like I had to move because the pacer's right under the skin. So I'm like on the strap, I have to move it over and tighten that chest strap really hard because yeah. otherwise it's just rubbing on that, you know. Yeah. After time, you kind of get used to it. But still, I mean, it was – they had literally just taken the staples out of it or whatever. So Oof, I'm like – man. Yeah, that wasn't – yeah, I just – that just added a little bit to the whole, you know, story or whatever. But <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, that – uh I don't know what was, what was making me. Oh, the, when you're talking about the doctor, yeah, yeah. I don't want to, this amateur that's done two of them. It just reminded me, like my, well, my sister Courtney. You probably had her. In, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, she, when she was, she had to have some. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but uh, a real serious surgery when she was just a baby. And I, my dad tells a story. Remember, you know, this doctor in Denver that he's like the guy, just like. Yeah, he's like it's pretty impressive because I go on the guy and like he's just like no big deal. He's like, he's like I do twenty of these a day, so I'm the best in the world. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, like that's who you want. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I mean. That's what I say. Go where they like. When I have my knee done. Yeah. You know, there's oh yeah, we do up here in town. You know, blah blah. blah. I'm like, no, I'm going to Phoenix where all the old people are, yeah. and they do those things. They have to <laughs> yeah. do twenty a day. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And the guy, he's just, I mean, he didn't have the best bedside manner, but he did a great job. Yeah. Yeah, I was really impressed. So. There's guys out there that really know what they're doing, and then there's other guys out there that they know a guy that did a couple, and those are the guys I don't want to go to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no kidding. Um, what all? What kind of stuff did you bring for food back in the day? Because this is all even before, like, probably pre or just in the infancy. Even when I started, there was, like, a few. There was, like, maybe four Mountain House meals. Yeah, yeah. And we took Mountain House, Pilot Bread. Uh, yeah. Tea, you know, we it was uh, granola bars. You know, yeah. my brother in law would always make like this power nutritious roll. He called it, you know, yeah. and I couldn't eat it, but it was. <laughs> it, <laughs> but he liked it and he carried yeah. it. But I could. It, we uh, so we were up to that same area hunting, and uh, sorry, I'm just going off. No, on these no, dude, man, but, that's great. <laughs> uh, we we got into an area where there's some old timers that had hunted up there. In fact, one of the planes we. On one, an earlier hunt, we had been up there hunting and we got these sheep and we were 16 or 17 miles back and we were like, we're not hauling all the way out. So there was a plane that had crashed at the entry of this valley, a different plane, and we had pulled a spring, the metal out of the seats and we're using as skewers. Oh, yeah. To eat sheep over the fire. Yeah. But um, so anyway, uh, where was I going with this? I lost track. Oh, what were we talking about? Um, Man, there's two of us now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually, I'm the guy that loses my train of thought. Yeah. Anyway. Um. The, so the sheep, the skewers. Yeah. Uh, food. Food. Yeah, food. Yeah. So, uh, granola bars. We'd always take up a bunch of like spices to put on the on the sheep and stuff. But yeah. It was pretty thin. I always it was always that ten to fifteen pound loss because yeah. you just were never getting enough fat. Yeah. Like to take a you know some salami and stuff like that, but. It was, you don't, you don't, you just can't carry enough food no. when you're on a like a hard sheep hunt, especially nope. real tough country. Yeah, Nowadays, everything's caloried up. You know, you got all even, these energy bars yeah. and all the you know mountain house or whatever, and, and like good taste and yeah, stuff. oh yeah. I'm I mean, like, I still there's still a few guys which hopefully hopefully 
yeah, get this guy on. Um, he's he still, you know, him and his son were hunting, hunting this year, and he, you know, this video. So I take, they're cooking ribeyes. He's like, I, he's still just, he's like, I take real food. <laughs> he's like, if I can pack a sheep out, I can pack this in. So that's, that's fine. But I, it's tough, you know, like we'll go, me and my buddy Frank will go for, usually we try to bring 14 days of food. Yep. And that's a lot. Like even with today's stuff, that's like twenty some pounds of food. Yeah, it's a lot of food. Takes yep. up space. Take you know, and it ends up just weighing a lot. And I, I'm not super stringent on ultralight everything. This and that. I bring some stuff that's just good, like some salami and it's like yep. pita bread. It's funny the the little like tricks and things you gravitate to that end up being like they're maybe kind of heavy, but just so nice to have. We always always brought like canned peaches, ravioli, like things that you were never going to get on the hill. And yep. we put them in the tree with our raft. Yeah, and the, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you're coming back and it's like after two weeks Six of eating. pack of beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it's like there's this motivation. It's like, man, I don't know if I can go another step. And they're like, remember that food in the tree? And we're like, oh, yeah, we're going to yep. get there. <clears throat> One time we came out, though, and a bear had gotten it. It oh, bit our raft man. and ate our chewed our cans up oh. man we were bear hunters for a couple of days we didn't see him <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah there's that's funny i well and it was because we you know we'll do that too uh in the past like when we'd get um would get dropped off it's like yeah you leave like some strip food in case you end up back because you're usually planning on ended up back there and you just do your best to like to bury it or you know, bury it in the rocks or gravel and dry bag. Just hope, hope a bear doesn't smell. I haven't had a bear ever get into my food, but I've hunted in spots where like if I had left something, yeah, they definitely would have. Right. Definitely would have, or you, you would need to bring in a, like a small 15 gallon metal drum or something to keep your stuff in. Right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the one, I don't carry around one of those stupid little no bear, no i'm not that guy either no. we put ours up in so a dry bag a, like yeah, you said yep. just hope for the best but i remember what i was getting at is when i was talking about the sheep but anyway so we're up there uh hunting in between these two drainages that we hunted a lot of back in the day after i couldn't hunt in the park anymore because i moved to fairbanks but uh so we're we're up high in the middle of this valley that you know and we look out and there's this little short stubby guy walking along smoking a cigarette with a dog <laughs> And we're like, what the, you know, it's like, this is like a comedy act. What's going yeah. on? Because this is, we're in some serious country here. It's not like, you know, you're going to just see anybody out there. So we're coming along, along to this food thing. And so we've been all over this, you know, we covered a hundred miles in the last week or whatever, at least. And we found three different catches of food where someone had like back, old timers back in the day. And we're like, oh, and we really didn't take anything or whatever. But we come across this guy. We're like, hey, what's going on? He goes, yeah, my name's Pete. I've been sheep hunting around here for a while. And you're, you're going to find, he said, that there's a lot of catches around here. And you're like, oh, yeah, we found them. We, we didn't take, oh, no, help yourself. Just don't take anything but the cigarettes. Yeah, we're, we're like, no problem. <laughs> it's yeah. like, this guy's covered all kinds of ground, just, oh, just burning them up, you know? And we're well, like, don't worry, we're not going to take them, you know? But yeah. the funniest things that you see up there and here, you know, that was like, we look at each other like, just yeah, that's smokes. Yeah. Not, not a problem. Yeah. Where we're at, I, I don't need it. You know, I don't need that. Yeah, we, uh, it reminds me. So I, I, uh, I'm sure I've told it on the podcast, but I recently, like last, last winter, <laughs> So my aunt sent me, it, it all had to do with the bus, like the bus getting in here and they, oh yeah, yeah. they had, uh, I'd written a story about how that was like my 
dad, grandpa, uncle's hunting camp for several years when they were kids. And, uh, the, so the, the, someone at the museum, the, the lady gal that works at the, is running that project, kind of the restoration, whatever, got in touch with me and actually like got to go over there and like go inside before they started the restoration with my dad and uncle. And it had been the first time they'd been in the bus since like 72, maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, so all that, and that, you know, they start talking, my dad maybe said, oh, I know like mom had, and my grandma had video like eight millimeter film, like of the bus and hunting out there. Oh, wow. And so uh, long story short, my aunt found all these old eight millimeter films and sent them to me. And I bought, spent like 400 bucks to get a digitizing a machine that just scans each frame and right. converts it to digital video. So I've got all these videos, um, them hunting all over the place in Fairbanks years ago. And, uh, uh, yeah, everybody's just ripping smokes left. And oh, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that's ultimately probably like did not help. You know, <laughs> my grandpa passed away as early as he did. But um, he, uh, there was well, one video which we were watching him with my aunt, one of my aunts and my uncle here. And Tracy's like, oh, yeah, that's Bill Lighty, you know, in this, in the like, it looks like maybe early November, late October, um, probably over in the flat, tanning off flats with a big, big old moose head. You know, they'd been out and shot a moose and then vi- footage of them flying out, you know, in old Satabria. And, but Bill Lighty was, uh, my uncles knew him. He was an old time sheep hunter. And, uh, they said, he always said, and like, I think he was a pipe fitter in town, but he, uh, always said, go, she, he'd, he'd carry like a 25 pound pack sheep hunt. And he said, if you bring a jar of peanut butter and a bag of like, dried apricots if you had to ship more than twice in a 10-day hunt you you brought too much food (laughs) but trace yeah my uncle tracy had a story of going when he was young going sheep hunting with him and he's like i couldn't keep couldn't keep up with him yeah he's like i'd I'd get to a spot where he'd stop and there'd be two or three cigarette butts on the ground (laughs) yeah yeah no those guys were tough i mean it's like we always think i always think yeah we were tough but those guys were like they just Smoke a pack a day and hiked all day and just you know it's just they just did it they didn't know yeah <laughs> that's better, just how I they guess. did it yeah, yeah yeah um which yeah you think about some of the, like the early old Frank Glazer type guys that early guys that really got around the country I mean they didn't know any better like and and they just everything about life was a little bit harder back then right anyway but uh yeah it's uh. I definitely, I, I like the com- some of the comforts. Like I said, air, an air mattress to sleep on. I mean, I, I, for years, used just a little, the half the foam pad. and We always used I can't to, even sleep in my bed without my back hurting in the morning. So. <laughs> the old black one that was just worthless. It was like, I don't know, it was like. Uh, the wavy. The wavy uh, black. It was, it was just useless. But we always carried it along, you know. I, I don't know. I always did carry a good. A bag though, like yeah, I good had a bag. good marmot bag that I kept in a bivy sack. Yeah, and I, back in the day it was Poly Pros, and I always keep those in the bottom because yeah. inevitably you, I was a sweater. Like I, I spent a lot of my hunts in shorts. Yeah, with a good raincoat because I just sweated so heavily. And back there the gear was so bad that it was the sweat was almost worse than the rain. Yeah, yeah. it's and I mean I still <laughs> that's a whole other story. I I still use like not just rubber rain gear, but I sweat a lot too. So yeah. if I if I have to hike in it. I just strip down and go slow. Yeah, yeah. I got good gear now. So, I mean, you know, like the QE rain gear or, or however you say it, you know, 
QU and yeah. I, I'm real happy with it, but like that's another story. So I'm building my house, the one I'm in now, and I have you know we're living in a camp trailer because I'm finishing the house off, mm-hmm. and it's hunting season. I'm telling the guys I hunt with, I can't make it down this year. You know, it's just so they I get a call. They got there's a good bull down here. You got to come down for the weekend. I'm like, oh man. So I gather my hunting gear up real quick, and it's all good gear. I mean mm-hmm. the real good gear because I'm old. I've been you know kind of putting it together over the years. Yep. Long story short go down a couple days later i get this nice bull come back take all my gear throw it in a couple bags in the front of the trailer and say hey no you know sue don't touch this my wife i'll take care of it later i got to get back to work or whatever four or five days later i go back in the closed trailer to get something and i'm like hey where are those trash bags at? oh oh and she <laughs> oh, goes, that well, wasn't where i thought that story was going <laughs> and she's like uh well i took them to sydney's to my daughter's house yeah. to wash them i said oh, okay and then uh you know, a week later, and I'm like, well, where's my stuff? And I'm talking gear, you know, knives, boots, everything. I just threw them, you know, I yeah. hadn't even gotten the blood out of them or whatever. And I mean, talking all the good ring gear, all the good wool gear, you know, I just, <clears throat> and uh, I get, I get that, well, uh, my son-in-law was cleaning out the garage. He threw all of it away. Oh, that's foul. There. It was terrible. <laughs> like it was two, maybe three bags of like, Expensive gear. Expensive oh, gear. Man. Like, you know, I've, I've, you know how you go one piece at a time. Ah, oh, I'm going to get that. It's worth it. I'm going to get that. The, oh, those are the ones to have. And I was just like, I, and they didn't understand. You know, I was like, I was heartbroken. I'm just like, I still still tell that story and kind of cringe, <laughs> yeah. you know. And they're like, well, you shouldn't have. And I go, I didn't. I left it. You know, I said, don't touch it. Yeah. You know, whatever. So. Well, and I, <clears throat> you mentioned that. I try to be, I'm very cautious about using garbage bags. Well, I heard a similar a guy knew a similar story, um, which now his ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Not, that was the last straw. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 I had they so they're doing something for or moving or working on something. Had you know a couple garbage garbage sacks full of like tanned wolf hides and cat hides and stuff like that, and right. that all went bye bye. <laughs> oh. Just too easy to do. Yeah, my my one dream is that there's some unfortunate person somewhere living some with. Ball. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna go down yeah, the living road. In his card, go, living in his cardboard house. Yeah, it's brand new Q U gear and wool linings and all that good stuff. Good boots. It's like whatever. Oh man, it's like oh yeah. Which it's fun. I mean, and that reminds <clears> me, like if there's nothing that this podcast is not about, it's different r- tangents. <laughs> That's how my mind works. So, um. My kids, they're just, they're hilarious. And it's just definitely a different, life's quite a bit different having kids, but they, yes. so the other day we had, you know, like we had a couple of garbage cans and like are getting ready, ready to go to the dump, you know, or the transfer site, garbage out. My wife like walks out and they've got bags torn open and like shit laying in the driveway like from garbage, she's like, "What are you doing? We're we're dumpster diving." Oh my! This is not. Well, it's this weird thing in Alaska. It's like it should be like a, a a reality show up here because it's like you go to all the transfer stations and it's like that. It's a model. It's like, oh yeah, are you dropping or shopping? That's the joke that we. <laughs> yeah. see, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I I go in there and half the time it's like I've literally almost thrown a bag on somebody and not yeah. intentionally. It's like they stand up and I'm. <laughs> Like oh Holy you know shit. what are you doing? <laughs> it's like you you know what's in there. It's like oh, oh yeah man. they're you know that it's whole pig and stuff. shit thing. Oh, well yeah yeah yeah. There's a few. There's more than a few junkyard hoarders. Yeah around and, town and oh it's 
Like they on one end, <sighs> like it's it is kind of nice. They have like a reuse section. If you have stuff, you just don't. Like man, a real this should someone could probably use yeah. it. But at the same time, a lot of them people just go like. My wife was telling me the other day she was dropping something off, and the lady had like bags of like neatly folded like kids' clothes stuff that like uh, well someone who needs it could probably use this, right? And then just someone comes up and just starts ripping, throwing stuff every yeah like whatever. That's yeah, <laughs> that's a whole time. That could be it. Could very well be a TV show. There'd probably be more drama in that than and it'd be real. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, <laughs> it'd be real. I mean, I think you, I wouldn't want to be the producer, but I think <laughs> that it would probably be a big hit because you know. <laughs> What's that bumper stick that we all need? It says, Discovery Channel, thanks for making us look like a bunch of assholes. Yeah. Dipshits, you know, yeah. because some of those shows are just, the, you know, I can appreciate that they're trying to do something, but they're not reality for Alaskans. I mean, yeah. we're normal people that just live a different lifestyle. We're not yeah. all the crazy stuff. And there's some that are real, but for the most part, you know, there's a lot they're of- They're on the fringes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those people are weird everywhere. Not, yep. you know, find some guys that I feel like are kind of normal and- you know, that's still interesting. Yeah. You know, just like this podcast, it's interesting just to talk about. And that's, and that's the whole idea, you know, it was the whole idea that I had starting this and was just to kind of give just our perspective, you know, not, not that there's anything wrong with, with the touristing hunter no. at all, but yeah. it's just a different perspective. Right. Well, I, you know, we are, I'm old now. I hate to say that, you know, I had the big realization this summer, you know, that I'm getting older. It took you that's, I'm like starting to, I turned 38 this month, which is actually a good thing, which is actually a good thing because, because for some damn reason, like I've, every time I think like how old I am, I think of myself, I've been thinking of myself as 38 for a whole year. So it's like, I get an extra year of being 38. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I'm 58 now. And the thing that hit me really is like, so we surf in the, at, at Harding a lot this mm-hmm. summer now, in the last few years we have, and I take my grandkids with me, you know, and I let them surf on the board with me. Yeah. And this summer I'm telling my wife, I go, you know, when these guys are like 15, 16 years old, they're going to really dig this. They're going to love this. You know, we're really going to have a great time. And then I looked at her and went, holy shit, I'm going to be 68 when they're 15 and 16. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It just hit me like, yeah, because I still feel like I'm, you know, I guess I want to say 25, but maybe 35, you know? Yeah. Still getting out and doing stuff, but it's just this, but I think it's part of living in Alaska. We just are out doing stuff and going and we don't, you know, I know my son-in-law from New York. He looks at me sometimes like I'm just batshit crazy. <laughs> the stuff that we do, you know, because yeah. we're just like, oh yeah, let's just go do it, you know? And it's yep. like, Really? Yeah, it's like, yeah, just do it, man. Just that's how we live our life here. So, and not like we're superheroes. It's just, no. it's like that's how we live our life. It's like you have to be, you know, self sufficient and yeah. It seems like a well, in part, you know, like part of getting out and doing stuff up here in, is like we were talking about is very involved and kind of overwhelming. For I mean, it was overwhelming when I moved up here when I was a kid, right? Um, but yeah, you get set up with a few like you know. Doesn't have to be all the toys, but yeah, yeah, like you get a you know a cheap riverboat or yep something. You start over the year. It takes years to like accumulate the experience and the gear and and stuff to go. Yep. And then you know when you're to that point, just becomes part of your lifestyle, right? Going and going and doing this stuff, you know. Yeah, and I think it's important. You got to have it to do it, you yep. know. And so you know, you know, like in the last five years, I had a big life reset. Yeah. You know, and so I never, like, I always lived, I thought, life to the fullest. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then, uh, but 
just like everyone, we put money away. It, you know, it's like for rainy day and retirement and all that. And then <clears throat> with that life reset, you know, I just had this big slap in the face. It's like you never know. You know, you don't know. No day is, you know, for sure. Guaranteed to you. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like a cliche, but it's really true, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and in those moments of that reset, it's like I thought about my grandkids. I thought about my wife and my kids, you know. It still almost makes me tear up. It's like – yeah. So I kind of, I, I walked away from that, you know, fortunately walked away from that. And I just decided that I'm living my life, you know, and I, we're yeah. going to do stuff and we're going to have stuff and we're going to make memories because no amount of money I'm going to leave to anybody in my family is, it's going to mean something, but it's not going to mean as much as those memories. Yeah. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah, totally. when they think of me, I want them to think about that. We're we running out of time. No, no, we're good. I was just, I just periodically check on, check on that thing every once in a while. Right, right. So, yeah, you know, and, and so for me, it's like, I just have a different perspective now. And yeah. you knew me as a teacher and you probably saw that I was outgoing and, you know, I live life pretty, I didn't, Yeah. I, I, I just found out in my head, and this is a hard thing to admit that I have an expiration date. Yeah. You don't think, you don't go through life thinking that, no, you, you know, don't. we go through life thinking, not necessarily that we're bulletproof, but we don't think about that, that, that thought, you know? So, yeah. Well, we, I mean, yeah, like it's. Within the last few years, and I guess that's a lot of people, you know, the midlife crisis thing, when you start thinking like, I'm not going to be here forever. Yeah. <laughs> like it, and that, I mean, you know that your whole life, but <clears throat> when it starts becoming a little real or, you know, like years back at a, you know, was in a, uh, just a vehicle accident with my oldest son when he was, uh, he was still a baby, but, uh, like could have been, it wasn't like no one got hurt thankfully whatever but it was scary like could have been especially when i went back to like clean my stuff out of the truck i was like oh man like this could have been so much worse in so many ways um yeah you start you start thinking yeah i'm gonna die someday and i have no idea when (laughs) you know in the big picture so it just makes you yeah i i you know and it with that i think i reflected it just took a lot of reflection and a lot of i mean it's a process you know PTSD, you always knew about it, you heard about it, but till you have it, you don't, you don't understand, understand it. Yeah. yeah, and it, it's, I've just had some really wow moments since that, you know, I, uh, watching podcasts and stuff of guys in the military, <clears throat> and not that I'm making any, like, I'm not one of those tough guys from the military, but I can say that, listen to them talking about a situation they were in near life, de- or near death, and the, the, the progressions for them, you know, yeah. the, how their body reacted and how they've been trained for that. And it was verbatim for me, you know, body shutting down, this happening, this happening. And it was just like, you know, wow. And, and from all that, I took that, you know, yes, I have an expiration date, but between now and then I'm living it, I'm doing it, I'm going out and you know what I mean? Whenever that day is, that's it. Okay. But until then, you know what I mean? Let's do it. Let's go. Oh yeah. And so, and everybody does it differently, but until you have that experience, you don't, it, it changes things. Yeah, totally. So, you know, so it's, I think, yeah, I think a lot of us, I mean, that's one of the reasons we live here is just all the, if, you, if you're into this kind of, this kind of hunting and fishing stuff, man, it's there, you, you have the opportunity to really like yeah. get out and I've all, I've been, and it's another kind of thing about since I've gotten a little older. It's like the memory bank, like, and my buddy, sheep hunting partner Frank was like, this is like, you know, we shot our sheep this year and we hadn't gotten any in a couple of years. So we were down there just kind of like basking in it. And then, you know, we're kind of up. He's like, man, 
He's like, it wears off a little quicker every year. Like he's like, I'm already like excited for next year or this or that. And, uh, and I think back, you know, in the, in the early years, like it was such a, it's like there, I don't know if like the bank wasn't full or, you know, like you think about like for sheep hunting example, like the first ram I killed, man, like I, that was like fuel for a long time. And you just think about it all the time every day. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of, and then you get more and more like cool experiences and memories and <laughs> yeah. like, it just makes me want to do more. <laughs> right. Yeah. It just builds on it. Well, and you don't, may not even know, like when I moved here in high school, like 17, 16. Yeah. That was the same age I was when I moved yeah. here. Yeah. You know, I didn't even know it. You know, I didn't yeah. know that I was a diehard sheep hunter. I didn't know it was in my blood until I did it. And then yeah. all of a sudden I'm like hooked. Yeah. You know, and not everybody went to places we went to do it. It did the things. And it was partially because Gary, you know, he'd been around and done a little bit more, but you just don't know. So, you know, people could say that ah, that's not for me until they do it, though. You don't even know, you yeah. know, moose hunting or sheep hunting or bear hunting, whatever. It's just like this addiction that you don't even know, that you, you know. And so, yeah, it's it's good. We're living everybody else's dream. Yep. Right. We're like, yep. we do it all the time. And we, I wouldn't say we take it for granted, but we're very fortunate. Yeah. <laughs> to be able to go and do the things that we get to do here. Yep. So, yeah, it's it's a good life, but uh, very interesting. Uh, I, uh, I'm i glad you're doing a podcast. I think it's interesting or, you know. Yeah, it, I think it is, and I like gives me excuse to connect <laughs> with folks and, right, right. and shoot the shit. And, yeah. It's funny, so. you never, the topics that come up through the conversation, that kind of bounces around. Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> this is, yeah, this, I, like this one is not, not structured like, like some that. Oh really? Uh, or, you know, or <clears throat> overly produced, you know, like I just, I'm a pretty, I'm, I'm a pretty basic guy. So, yeah. so, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I think I've got pretty decent equipment, you know, like good, as long as good sound and people, uh, you know, I like, I like to think it's relatable, you know, cause that's just how. Right. I well, am. I think it's interesting too. You find more and more, there's more guys like us out there. Oh that's yeah. What they want to hear. They don't want to yeah. hear the, you know. The same story that's been told on every other. Right. Po- every other, you know, podcast or whatever. Right. And then, uh, yeah, that's, that's a big part of it. Cause there's like, you know, as well as I do, there's a, like, I'm not really anything special. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of people up here who do some really cool shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's what we talk about. It's not, and, and have a lot of, and have a lot of valuable inf- information. Yeah. Yeah. And like me, I'm the same way. It's like, I've done it so many times. I have a couple interesting stories. That's yeah. probably for me what it is. But like you said, I think, I mean, there's someone out there needs to figure out to just follow around some normal people up here to make their show. And I think that would go a really long ways, you know, and it may not be you or I, but Definitely not going to be me. <laughs> yeah, but there's some cool stuff going on yeah. out there that doesn't have to be, you know, embellished and you know, and scripted, dra- and, dramatized. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that stuff. Yeah, those show those for all the, the how much of a hit those shows are. Man, they're just don't give you an accurate look. No, it. and it's it's almost it's a little frustrating, but I guess it's that way anywhere. But it just it makes you think. I for me, it's like I wish people could really see the other side of Alaska. That these are these very normal people doing these very exciting things and yeah. interesting things that they don't have to make up this weird stuff. That you know, a, a very well, I guess a large percentage of people like to see that, but it's not yeah. the real you know. The real deal. Yep. So we got to have we got to have this plot line and that drama going for this episode. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've so. had had my toes dabbled in that world a little bit, and you know there was a uh, not 
a few years ago, there was a Bigfoot one that was like, <laughs> they were filming out in Standard Creek, <laughs> like, like literally right outside of town. Right. But uh, <laughs> I just have, all you can do is laugh. Well, I didn't, yeah, I didn't know Bigfoot was up here. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I didn't know either, you know. There's some, there's definitely some believers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do. Well, it's just this, uh, the internet's a crazy thing. So like yeah. to think, I didn't have computers in high school. Yeah, we yeah. Didn't, you know, we didn't have internet. I was kind of right on the, I came up like right with all that stuff. I mean, I can remember, the first time I can remember you, like using the internet was like in junior high. Right. And it was like, oh, you sign up for an into email account that you don't know anybody to email, but you got one. But you got it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of, I mean, and it's just grown, grown into this monster that's, I wouldn't say out of control, but it's, it's, you know, it's changing lives and it's changing. As a teacher, for me, I've just seen this big, it changes how kids develop because we're not allowed to do anything off this beaten path because it's recorded and everybody knows about it. Yeah. When I was a kid, we did a lot of stupid shit. Yeah. And we didn't tell anybody it wasn't <laughs> yeah. videoed. So yeah. we got, I don't know if the word get a, got away with yeah. it's the right thing, but we, we did just, it, yeah. yeah, we went through some stupid <laughs> shit. We were kids, but now, you know, you don't have an opportunity to make mistakes and learn from them because you're, you know, it's on social yep. media and it's blown up and it's. Yeah. For it's all just, the, yeah, there's, you know, there's goods and bad positives. There's, and negatives yeah. There's for a ton of value yeah. to it for sure. It, uh, but yeah, like for all the goods, like, you know, your mistakes follow you too. And it's, it, you know, stuff like that. So it's, I'm thankful that, you know, like, I mean, and kids like need to be brought, brought up, I think, to function in whatever world they're yep. growing up in. But I mean, yeah, our, like our kids, like, yeah, we're not like Nazis on not letting them watch TV or nothing oh, yeah. like that. But uh, yeah, I like that my, like my boys like going outside and just playing, have a good imagination. I remember being like that. Yeah. Just going outside and making guns and playing yeah. hunting or. Whacking each other with a stick. Whacking, beating on each other. <laughs> yeah. So, so our boys are, are two and five, two and seven. And they're both kind of beasts. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're big. And uh, the, my older one, he's, he's fun. He's very much like me in some ways. Like he's seven years old. He'll get up and like, we, we just let him watch. He watched the whole movie at Gettysburg. Loved every minute. <laughs> like, kind of a boring, you know, for right. it's like a long, long movie, but he's all into Civil War stuff. Like, he'll be out in the yard playing Civil War. We made a bunch of snowmen the other day when it first yeah. snowed, and by the end of the day, they're all knocked over because he's using them for bayonet practice. <laughs> <laughs> like, but he's not whatever. inside on the TV all but day. He's not, you know, he's, not, the... he's not playing video, video games. games like, he or don't, whatever. He didn't yeah. play video games yet. So. Right. Which, I mean, I played video games growing up a little bit. So did but, I. Yeah. But... Yeah, he's, it's like, yeah, he's at the age where I like, as, there's no need to just force any of that when he has, right. has plenty of fun going on. I'll take him, take him shooting all the time. Oh yeah, yeah it'll come. school, they'll, <laughs> it'll come, yeah. You know, everything in moderation, I think, too, yeah. you know, so, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, social media is an interesting beast, for <laughs> yeah. sure. It's interesting to be able to keep up with people, but it also enables a lot of voices that, May not I may not agree with. Yeah, so how's that? <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> no, that's that's pretty good. But uh, no, it, it's and it's funny. Yeah, I we always whine about coming back to town after. I mean, I always yeah. miss the family. It's nice to see everybody, but man, town sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially it, when you've been out, been out moose hunting or 
Yeah, we, we always look forward to being in the woods. It's like it's kind of interesting too. With like my oldest daughter living in New York, you know, mm-hmm. as a all my kids are at moose camp every year, and they all shot moose, you know, yeah. as young people. And uh, it's interesting. My my oldest daughter, she's thirty five, and uh, she's she tells me often about the guys getting together and talking hunting. And her husband's not a hunter, but yeah. some of the guys down there are hunters of of wives or whatever, you know. And she says. A couple times, you know, she tried to have that com- just get involved in the conversation, yeah. and they gave her the the poo poo or yeah, whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and she finally, her husband said something about, eh, "You guys might want to listen," you know, to what she yeah. has to say. And she starts showing them pictures of the moose that she shot, you know, these fifty inch yep. bulls, bulls or whatever, and they're all like. What the? That's yeah. my dream or whatever, yeah. you know. And it's like all of a sudden her stock goes way up, you yeah, know. And yeah. So I'm sure to send pictures of all the bears and moose, the stuff that I kill and send them to her and her husband so they can, you know, show it. Because the people down there don't, it's a little different. Yeah, for sure. But uh, anyway, yeah, no, it's uh, uh, glad to be here. I, don't, I hope I don't uh, overrun my welcome here. No, not at all, man. It's great to, it's great to see you. I've, I've been really looking forward to chatting and catching up just yeah. as much, just as much as anything. And whenever, yeah, whenever you're in town, you'll have to come, come back by and we some, Occasionally we get a little sloppy, but <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. I got but, a really uh, good story for you sometime, but yeah, uh, the old Vegas thing. But uh, yeah, that might be for another. Yeah, no, that's another time. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. But uh, well, which it was kind of funny. Cause one of the one of the times is our, we run into each other periodically. But I was running onto you when I was in my my way to Shot Show one time, and you know, it, was, it would where where are you headed? Vegas, uh, yeah. You're like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, great. No. <laughs> Good, best of luck to you. Yeah, wear your flak jacket. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, no, but yeah, I really appreciate you coming over. It's been great. great yeah, good to be to here. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad you. I'm glad you were able to shoot some shit with those bullets. And oh man, they were great. Yeah, like I said, they're they're first ones I grabbed for my 375 yep. Ruger for sure. But yep. as much as anything, I was just happy to. I was glad to. That's that it worked out to be there and be be a, you know in a position to like save you some grief and some stress rather than running back and forth from the to store to the range and yeah yeah blah well, blah all that bullshit so, when I can hand when I've got a box of bullets I can hand you and they they actually shoot really well no they uh, shot great yeah, and like so. I, I take that uh, away from that it's better to be lucky than good sometimes always, right always, yeah always <laughs> said i'll take good but i would i'll take luck every i'll take every ounce of luck i can yeah. get every time and i think we make our own luck but sometimes it's luck yeah yep. yeah yep. so but, no glad to be here appreciate the help with the bullets that was yeah fantastic and like i said bring your boys out we'll hook them up with some fireworks oh yeah they're gonna yeah we'll, <laughs> we'll have to do that when when you guys are open for for this new year's but yeah uh, for sure all right. Well, if you enjoyed Tundra Talk, I appreciate it if you leave a good review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. And uh, if you have any comments or questions, you can email podcast at tundratalkak.com. Thanks.